podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Anyone starting to panic? Yes. Hello. Welcome along to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County podcast, where it is the morning after another very disappointing result on the road for the Rams, the chasing pack in the League One playoff race. Now, well and truly breathing down Derby's necks after back-to-back 2-0 defeats. Uh, I'm your host, a slightly worse for wear, Chris Parsons, after returning from Peterborough. Last night, empty-handed. Uh, Richard Kutch is here as well. How you doing, man? Yeah, similarly similarly worse for wear. Uh, but it was overall a good day out, uh, ruined by 90 minutes of football, as ever. But yeah, good to be back on the pod. You've taken the words out of my mouth. Uh, Tom's back too. How was your week, my friend? Yeah, week's been very good. And pleasingly, for the first time in over a decade, I've got new kit for my Saturday League football team. I saw a picture of this. We'll have to stick it on Twitter. It's, it's a colourful little number, isn't it? Yeah, it's lovely. Uh, short-sleeved uh, goalkeeper jersey, yellow with like some red dashes and then red sleeves. It's uh, it's it's one for the Saturday league uh, ages, I would say. Nice, giving vibes of sort of eccentric South American goalkeeper in the mid nineties. That sort of that sort of flavour. Is that what you're going for? Yeah, I think that sums me up. And especially as the rest of the team playing green, we're definitely in Mexico circa nineteen eighty six. Nothing wrong good with vibe. that. <laughs> And in a sensational return to the SBW first team picture, it's Anton Martin. How have you been? Hey, Chris. Yeah, been a bit of a chaotic few weeks, I have to say. Talk to me. What's going on? <laughs> well, as, as you guys well know, um, I had my firstborn uh, about seven, I think it's seven weeks ago to the day, actually. So it's been uh, an amazing but pretty hectic few weeks, as uh, Tom and Chris, you all know full well. Loving it, but... Um, Limited sleep, let's just say that. Fantastic news, man. Uh, slotted straight in, straight into the first team, you know. Yeah. Knows the, uh, knows the culture of the Martin family, knows what he's doing. Yeah, absolutely. Watched a few Derby games with him. He seems uh, pretty glued to the screen. A few um, paddies halfway through the game um, and Leo wasn't great either, but he's, uh, he's very <laughs> much a Derby fan. <laughs> very good. Very good. Uh, well, look, more on that later, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, Peterborough United 2, Derby County nil. So the Rams clinging on to their place in the League One top six, having uh, been absolutely flying a few weeks ago. And that long unbeaten run and big juicy gap down to seventh that we had a matter of weeks ago seems a very long time ago. Uh, but Kutch, we were both there. We've since watched the goals back. It was, for me, thinking about it, nowhere near as bad a performance as the 2-0 home defeat to Fleetwood, but still with the same result. So what exactly went wrong away at London Road yesterday? I think Paul Warren actually summed it up pretty well in some some of his post-match comments. And as you say, it definitely wasn't as bad as, as Fleetwood. I thought we actually played quite well, but crucially without creating anything whatsoever to be honest I mean Harrahan had kind of a semi one-on-one a tight angle in the first half Barkhausen had a, a really good header chance in the second half but maybe it was just a bit behind him if, if you're being generous um, but we dominated I mean looking at the possession stats it was 58% you know 
in favour of Derby County. And, and it certainly felt that way, particularly first half. Peterborough, Peterborough actually played quite differently than, you know, we've, than we've struggled against recently you know, in terms of Fleetwood and Wickham and kind of getting in amongst us and really put us under pressure. I thought Peterborough actually kind of sat off a bit in the first half and were quite confident that they could soak up whatever we had, which they did quite comfortably, to be honest. I think credit to Peterborough for defending well. And Derby just lacked imagination and seemed to run out of ideas pretty quickly. And after Peter went ahead, never really looked like getting back into it. To be to be brutally honest, Tom, it's um, I should uh, I should let you know that the the pub boat in Peterborough. Um, more on that in a, in a minute. But the the pub boat has now expanded to like a sort of pub boat complex now, and there's like an enormous beer <laughs> <laughs> tent situation outside it. I, I don't know. I'm sure it wasn't that big when we went there 10 years ago, but we did go there before the game and we should mention had a, a genuinely great day out and met some of our patrons, um, which was fantastic. But Kutch, the, the, the only slight weird moment there was the, the urinal setup on the pub boat. Do you want to briefly, mm. uh, briefly describe that situation? It's weird, isn't it? Was it like a hexagon or a octagon? But it was a it was a outdoor like uh, plastic hexagon in which you meant you had to you really had to be staring into the eyes of the person taking a piss opposite you. Yeah, and it was very much kind of eyes down. With, with quite good views of every other segment of that hexagon, I should say, <laughs> or looking straight into the eyes of yeah of, of the fellow who drunk Derby County fans. So yeah, it was quite an odd uh, odd setup, and um, yeah, set up for a lovely day. Loving the toilet chat early early this morning. Um, that sounds very much <laughs> like a sort of festival toilet sort of thing, which I've certainly been to over the years. Um, and it's a very weird experience where someone comes and plonks a beer on top of it and then they start weeing and then they go, all right? And you're like, yeah, I'm fine, but just leave me alone. Um, that yeah. pub boat was great. Like 10 years ago, I think it was, was that was that Will Hughes' debut? Was it 2010? We think it was, yeah. Oh, I've been a few times there when it was a, a terrace, but I don't think I've been since it was, um, since they converted the away end into a stat all all seated sort of uh, all seater job so yeah I've had some good times in Peterborough but also some very desperate times when Theo Robinson missed a great chance to get his hat-trick and then we were 2-0 up and lost 3-2 obviously on Hughes' debut. As, as I remember then it was a particularly decent day out and uh, yeah a good away day but uh, literally the dictionary definition of a good day out ruined by 90 minutes of football this weekend. Um, Anton, we've seen the goals back and I think you were watching along yourself yesterday. Uh, the first goal that uh, the people score, Efrain Mason-Clark scoring pretty much against the run of play, I thought really, like because this is the thing, Peter hadn't really done that much in the game before they scored, but it seemed like a goal that really summed up the creaking cracks and weaknesses in this squad at the moment like the way that he, he does fozzy so easily with that step over it's the sort of goal that we've conceded a lot and it's going to be our undoing this season isn't it yeah I think so I mean it, it definitely was against the run of play although we we dominated the first half we, we didn't really create a great deal I think that the Harahan chance from a tight angle was the best of the bunch but that wasn't as good as um the, the Peterborough chance that led to the goal. Um, in fairness to Peterborough, it was a really well-worked goal. It was a good counter, Yeah. Um, kind of some really slick football in the middle. There's probably a little bit of criticism that you can point at some of the midfield, a bit of lack of energy. I think we, we definitely missed Knight in there yesterday um, in the second half, and, and perhaps he's the one that might have been able to disrupt that move. But you, you've got to applaud a, a really well-worked goal, and, and it was a really tidy finish um I'm not sure you can point too much blame at, at Fozzie for that but once we went a goal down 
touched touched upon it like we just didn't look like we were going to get anything back you saw the heads drop and when you're on a bad run of form you really have to take your chance when when you're playing well um although we didn't have any golden chances you've got to just get the ball in the net somehow lift the confidence a little bit because uh, once you go a goal down as we saw yesterday it's really difficult to get it back when your players are out of form while smith beating it as near post on that first goal tom do you apportion any blame there or i mean it was a decent hit to be fair wasn't it I was going to say, actually, Chris, that's precisely it. I was going to say, I think I've got an unpopular opinion and I think Will Smith will be disappointed about that first goal and perhaps about the second goal as well, just because of his high standards. And don't get me wrong, he uh, pulled off a great save from Johnson Clark-Harris and then again from Taylor when he turned onto the bar. Uh, and there were a few others as well, which were decent stops. But I don't think he should be being beaten at that from that angle, um, even though he does hit it, hit it well. Um, there's only one place that he's going to be shooting from there. Uh, and that's into that corner. So he, sh- for me, I think he should be saving it. And actually, I would go back a little bit further. Derby were pressing really well um, at that point, and yeah. Peterborough were p- trying to pass the ball out, and it wasn't really getting anywhere. They got lucky with a few passes, and Bird goes in to press, which is exactly what he should be doing because we're pressing high. And whoever it is, whether it's Howard who wasn't back in into shape, or someone from sent back being high enough, or in, or maybe even Smith pushing into that midfield, just left a massive gap, and as a result, the the gap between the defence and Max Bird and maybe Halverhan um, was way too big. And so therefore we were caught with loads of space when the ball did. And I think, yes, they played played it well, but I think fortunately uh, for them, ended up in the centre midfield position. And then Fozzie's just way too, he's not tight enough. And it's a simple step over, creates a little bit of space. And then for me, I think Will Smith will, will look back on that and go, I might have been able to do better. And I'm not going to say that it was all totally his fault there, but um, I think there's a lot of, defensive frailties and basic errors which I think are happening at the back uh, and we I'll talk about those in, in a little bit when we talk about the second goal as well but I think that's that's what's costing us we've conceded 14 goals in seven games one clean sheet in that time and two goals in every game apart from Barnsley where we conceded four that's our problem at the moment defensive weakness and basic elementary errors I was going to say the same thing as Tom regarding the press. I thought it was quite unlucky to begin with. Harvey White actually gets a nick um, on the press. It looks like we've dispossessed them, but it falls to, I think, to one of our defenders. He plays into midfield, as Tom says, and then they've opened us up. And there's obviously a failure behind the initial press somewhere. I'm not I'm not sure who it was in particular. Howrahun is just a couple yards behind the guy breaking forward. If he was a bit closer, he maybe could have taken him down on the halfway line. But the same thing happened about, I think, five or ten minutes earlier. It's in the highlights that they've broken us down the left-hand side. And Howrahan has the chance to take out the player on the halfway line. And he lets him run and run and run and run and get into the box. And they get another chance there. And I just, I've been mentioning this now for months that we, we are absolutely unable to stop counter-attacks at their source or, you know, niggly fouls or just pulling someone back a bit cynically. Like, it's part of the game. You've got to do it. And they don't do it. And I don't think that would have stopped the goal this time because I think Harrahan was just a couple yards too far away but it's something that's been creaking and creaking and, it, and it's becoming more and more apparent and on the other side of that when was the last time we looked like a threat from the counter-attack we seem to have absolutely nothing uh counter-attack threat wise i think in midfield we're very one-paced and i think that's the issue how he's yeah. done by taylor down that left-hand side who ends up getting the shot but this comes back to my point about the sort of basic elementary errors like the ball is played down the left-hand side from taylor and and Forsyth should be dealing with it he falls over he's not strong enough he falls over the ball stays in play um it's allowed to be played back and then cashin does well to get his body between the the uh 
the player and the goal and Taylor fires it just wide. But as you say, it's a, it's a warning sign and the mistake is there when we don't learn from it again in um, in the second half. And 10 minutes later, we're now 1-0 one, one down because exactly the same thing has happened. And when we come on to the second goal, Cashin just falls over. Like, it just needs to be stronger. Like, you're a centre-back. Don't don't fall over under a bit of pressure from from a centre-forward. And they, they bullied us at times in the second half. I agree that with your point around the midfield, Tom, that it was it just seemed a little bit one pace yesterday. We, we don't seem to have found that perfect balance really I was a little bit surprised Corey Smith actually wasn't pushed up into midfield with the with Jason Knight being missing yesterday because he would have potentially provided some of those legs because when you've got Bird and and White kind of trying to do the same thing and you've got Harahan alongside them who obviously doesn't have the legs anymore that's not really his game it can be a little bit one pace both from a from attacking and defensive perspective and we definitely saw that with the goal but we also saw that when we were going forward it, although we dominated possession and had a lot of the ball in their half and around their area we didn't look threatening on the counter as Kutch said we didn't look like we were going to break through the lines very easily and that and that was largely down to to the lack of pace and the, the lack of intensity in that midfield yeah I think clearly a right back and a hard bastard of a defensive midfielder are going to be top of Warren's shopping list in pre-season you'd imagine or whatever shopping he can do talked about Harvey White there and he was um, definitely in the thick of the action throughout at Peterborough with a strong penalty claim as well in the second half. I can't remember if we either 1-0 or 2-0 down at the time, but a great feat to get past a defender. Then he just gets the wrong side of uh, Frankie Kent, the the Peterborough defender. And there is contact. There, there is contact. I watched it again. There's definite contact. And you can't tell me that that's any less of a penalty than one that was actually given for the dive by uh, Azaz against Plymouth a couple of weeks ago, which is again massively frustrating I don't want to go down a path of blaming officials for Derby's failures but it, could, it would have changed the game let's be honest we were in there at the time and we couldn't quite tell Kutch me away and how much contact there was what was your first view on it Anton when, from watching it you know on a screen yesterday uh, I mean first view it looked like it could have been a penalty watching it back for me it's not a penalty it's, it's not one that we've particularly been hard done by there okay. I, I think the defenders got enough on the ball to for, for that to not warrant a penalty for me I think if that's at the other end you say it's it's a good bit of defending and he's got enough on the ball um so uh, I, I wouldn't kind of talk about that too much in terms of the reason why we we lost I, I thought White did quite well yesterday actually I thought he had a decent game he, he looked pretty lively and he he provided a little bit of that energy in the middle he's, he's coming for quite a bit of stick from Derby fans in his um, early stages of his career so far, but it's a little bit harsh, I would say, given that it's his first run of games in first-team football. He's doing okay. He reminds me a little bit of Max Bird, actually, when he first came into the side all those years ago. Um, kind of looks very tidy on the ball, looks just to try and make things happen, but perhaps a little bit lightweight in the tackle, misses a few important tackles which have led to goals, maybe needs to bulk up a little bit and just grow in confidence when he's on the ball. But he's definitely got the qualities to do something. Maybe that's not what we want at the back end of a season and it's difficult coming into a side um, like that. But he's definitely got the qualities and, and I thought he did okay yesterday. Yeah, I was going to agree with Anton about the penalty. I've watched it, been watched it back a couple of times this morning and he, he does get a nick on the ball. 
he does also take the player out, but he's already taken the ball and the ball's gone in a different direction. It doesn't change the fact what happened at Plymouth, but it's also completely irrelevant. Um, I know the Peter the Peter fans were in White's face, accusing him of diving. It wasn't a dive. It was just yeah. it was a good tackle at the nick of time. He gets a tiny touch on the ball, and then he also trips the player, but he's already kind of got the balls, as Anton said. And yeah, I echo what Anton says about White. I actually thought he was the player that looked more likely to make something happen, you know, including that. He was a nice little run in the box. He beats the player, and then he gets tackled. I thought he had a good game. Uh, I thought his suits being a bit more further forward and being in a kind of deeper two. So it'd be interesting to see if they stick with that, because I think there'll be some some changes for the next game. More in a second on uh, Steve Bloom was washing, but as you'll have seen from our socials this week, uh, we had a terrific sit-down exclusive chat with Nathaniel Mendes-Lang uh, a couple of weeks ago over at Moore Farm, and uh, you probably heard a significant amount of the shortened version of that interview, but uh, as you know, the full in-depth 30-minute version of that chat is available exclusively on our Patreon, which you can sign up to over on patreon.com forward slash Steve Bloomers washing. And as, as a bit more insight into that, here's another clip from the interview where uh, where Nat talked to us about the time when he actually considered giving up on football after uh, falling out of love with the game. So as I said, head over to patreon.com slash Steve Bloomers washing to sign up there. And uh, a big welcome to our newest patrons this week, uh, Luke Smith, Joseph Gale, Paul Buxton and Callum Dowd. So more in a second. You know, there was a point where I was, you know, I was half like, I just don't really know if football's for me. You know, I'm not really. You thought about thought about giving up altogether? Yeah, you know, like I loved the game. And then I was just like, it's just, you know, it's not all it's cracked up to be for a bit. And then, you know, the the politics that came with it. And I just thought like, oh, is it, is it really for me? Um, and then obviously I was away from football for a little bit. Um, there was times when I thought, you know, I feel happy now. Uh, but then I, I then I felt like I did miss it. So then like, you know, I went to Middlesbrough and then you know I was there for a bit again. I was just like, oh, you know, I'm falling out of love with it again. And to be fair, I, I came here late as well. Uh, I think the boys had been in for like a few weeks already and as soon as I walked through the door, I was just like, ah, this is where I want to be. Like, I love it and, you know, I haven't looked back since. Hi there, we county fans. I'm Branko Struper. Hi, I'm Paolo Wanchop. Hi, I'm Mart Poom. And you are listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Two-man Forest wall. Gary Teal and Chris Commons standing over it. Surely it will be the former Forest player, Chris Commons, to take. Commons looks up, takes the free kick, delivered it towards Hulse. Yes, Derby has scored. Has put the Rams in front. Yeah, so before the, uh, de- <laughs> I was going to say debacle, you know, just a 2 0 defeat, before the 2 0 defeat to Peterborough, there was the debacle of Fleetwood at home. Absolutely atrocious performance at Pride Park for that one. Like the first half in particular, absolutely awful. Like we just didn't even know what we we're doing on the pitch at the time. It was, uh, it was an absolute horror show. Coach, we were talking about it yesterday and you sort of said there was was there complacency in there. Um, and Tom and Anton, we haven't really caught up about that one properly. What did you put that complete disaster class down to at home last week? 
I think complacency is a, a really good shout, to be honest. We've we've seen the home form been so, so good in recent months, especially against bottom half teams. We we kind of got in that phase of we, we just turn up and win. And it's it's normally a bit of didsy magic that um, kickstarts things. Um, he obviously wasn't playing last week. Um, no one really looked that up for it. Um, and as soon as that first goal went in, which was a slice of luck, let's be honest, um, the crowd were, were a bit down. The players looked absolutely shot and they, they looked like they didn't really know what to do. Um, I think we've, we're so used to going a goal up, two goals up in the first half against those kind of teams. We, we were a little bit shell-shocked and I think complacency definitely w- was a, a really big factor in that. We probably didn't expect to go a goal down. We thought it was going to be an easy ride and it was probably, you have to say, the worst performance of, of the season. I, I can't really think of any worse ones, even under a senior at the start. So um, it was, although we lost yesterday, um, it was pleasing that we, we actually picked up the performance in the first half and 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 didn't let it kind of uh, hold us too much to account um, going forward because if, if we play anywhere near like that against any team even the likes of Forest Green we won't pick up many points for the rest of the season it's rough watching those goals back though Tom isn't it like the the second one in particular obviously the first one is a worldy volley that hits the bar and goes in off Wildsmith's back or whatever but the second one just how Carlos Mendes Gomez is allowed to run that far and watching Harrahan and Fozzie are trying to track him back because I'm watching him sort of run through through treacle. It was painful and how he's allowed to cut inside and, and beat Wildsmith so easily. I mean, you try to look at the root causes of all this and there are actually some um, some interesting parallels between what's happening to Derby now and what happened to Warns Rotherham last season when they got uh, automatic promotion from League One, where basically, uh, you know, they had a bit of a wobbly start to the season, then were absolutely flying from September till late February, and then had a similar run to what Derby are on now. They only won five, sorry, they lost five games between early March and mid-April, only winning two, and uh, ended up sort of crawling over the line for automatic promotion on the final day, having been about, 12 points clear a third at one point. And you just see what happened there. And I, I just saw a couple of tweets from Rotherham fans saying like, you know, oh, this is what happens to one teams, which I don't buy into that as a theory. Like there's clearly, it's quite a simplistic view of it. But um, part of it is clearly also, Tom, that <laughs> if you just take Fozzie and Cashin, for example, we've got defenders right at the end of their career and Cashin, who's right at the beginning of their career. And because of that, you're going to get tiredness and mistakes and naivety and slowness. So it is just the season catching up with us, really, isn't it? Yeah, I do think um, back to, I think it was four weeks before the end of this, uh, before the beginning of the season, we had five players contracted. So we signed a lot of players in a very short amount of time. Uh, and actually, we started the season, I thought, okay, under a senior. I certainly wasn't clamouring for him to be replaced at the time. And I don't think in hindsight, it was a bad decision to replace him. Uh, I think Warren's done a, done a good job in the circumstances. We got that team. It looked, uh, it looked fit. It looked energetic and stuff through the winter months. But we seem to be running out of running out of steam I think there's um just a half a yard off the pace um a little bit with with closing down as uh Collins was I would say for the for the first goal he just doesn't quite get there to block the long ball forward which then gets deflected then Davis's head is up and 
uh, up in the air. It's a it's a brilliant strike, and then obviously, as you say, comes down off the off the bar and off Wildsmith. Nothing he could do about that. Um, the second goal, as you say, the the fact that the Fleetwood lads are allowed to run so far and then get get into the box, but again. Maybe beating Wildsmith at his near post. I think I don't know whether he'll be disappointed with that, but I actually think Howerhan gives up the ghost when he sees Forsyth get back there and he needs to continue it in there. But you go back even further, and I made the point about defenders making silly basic errors. Cashin chucks himself on the floor uh, trying to win a tackle, and I'm like, just stay in your feet, slow the game down, and stop the counter. And we don't do that. If he's going to chuck himself on the floor, he's got to take the man out and take the yellow card, or he's got to stay in his feet, slow him down, and make him turn backwards. And he does, he does neither. So it's, as you say, Difficult because you've got players at the end of their career, Davis and Forsyth in particular, um, and then also the players at the beginning of their careers like Cashin, who are going to make mistakes. It's his first full season. He's been been brilliant for most of the season. And of course, they're going to make uh, make the odd mistake. And it just looks like it's a five to 10 games too far for the, uh, for the sort of 15 or 16 genuine first team players that we've got. Uh, obviously, patched up with a few younger players and uh, a few players that maybe don't necessarily, wouldn't under normal circumstances make make the squad. Yeah, I think it is just a bit of a case of things averaging out over the course of the season. And, and given the nature of the small squad, as you mentioned, Tom, it is the same team as what the, the team that went through that incredible 18-game unbeaten run just two months ago. And, and back then... Fans were were very much looking up rather than down. We were we were hunting down the top two, playing probably the best football in in the whole division at that time. Nothing's changed from a personnel perspective or a management perspective. I think things are just starting to average out. I, I think if if you look at that unbeaten run, there were times throughout then that we probably rode our luck a little bit. Certainly defensively, we we had players in the, probably the form of their lives in the likes of Wildsmith and Forsyth and Cashin were, were playing some unbelievable football at that time. But we definitely did ride our luck at times as well. There were there were games where kind of the opponents hit woodwork or Wildsmith pulled off unbelievable saves. And there's only so long that you can sustain that to be honest and and the fact that those players can't sustain that unbelievable form throughout the whole season is going to catch up with you and and the the, the same can be said for the attacking players as well we probably had at least two or three attackers who were in great form at that time. Mendes Lang was pretty unstoppable. Barkhausen was chipping in with goals. Didzy was, was being Didzy. Now, everyone seems to be out of form. And I, I think it's just happened that we had the majority of the squad in form at that point, And now they're all out of form at the same time. We need a bit of luck to just turn some of those fortunes around. And once we do that, we've got the same team to, to be able to start winning games again. I, I agree with all of that. And I think obviously we should always recognize where this team has come from and where the club has come from in the last nine months. But I just don't think it excuses or explains throwing away a two goal no. lead against Shrewsbury, losing 2 0 at home against Fleetwood Town. You know, that second half against Plymouth, we're pretty average against Oxford and got away with it because they're a rubbish team. And then yesterday, yesterday we played well, but that, that lack of confidence that Antoine referenced, that lack of form just really, really showed. And it is the same team that went on an 18 game run. And I'm fairly confident they'll probably turn it around at some point between now and the end of the season and they'll get a few more wins and maybe we can sneak into the playoffs and hit that in some kind of form but Paul Warren twice now in the last two post-match press conferences has said something quite cryptic along the lines of uh, I don't know what's wrong actually I do know what's wrong but I'm not prepared to say it publicly 
So what the hell's going on there? Because this is a man who is always very, very transparent, you know, possibly transparent to a fault, usually, in the way that he talks to the press. And there's obviously something behind the scenes. Maybe it's just a couple of players he doesn't think have it in them or are already looking at next towards next season. There's lots of players on very short contracts as there is, as there is, you know, in league one. And maybe he's just starting to question some of those characters in the dressing room because, you know, he's taken off Harrahan quite early in two games in a row. I would not be surprised to see him start on the bench uh, on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, you might be right, Kutch. I, to be honest, when, when Warren came out with those, I'm not sure I totally buy it to be honest. So I love his interviews and I love his honesty not sure whether he actually knows what's going on uh, so he mm, he yeah. doesn't want to admit that publicly which is is completely understandable but i think it's a case of the management staff trying to work things out on the fly and trying to turn things around which is is not always easy yeah interesting interview uh that came out a few days ago tom with david Klaus, who as we know doesn't give many interviews um I should know myself having asked for one and uh, and he turned us down. But um, he gave an interview to Marketing Derby where he talks about his background and his his early years as a Derby fan and, and some great wholesome quotes there. But he did say that he has a plan to establish Derby as a championship club within five years. So it's a bit of a quandary, isn't it? Like, look, if you're in the playoffs, you want to stay in them and you want to win them. But on the other hand, like, would it almost be better in the long run to give one like a proper preseason in League One? Reminder, he hasn't had one yet. Um, more time to fashion a squad and build foundations for a team that could be successful in the long term rather than sort of get promoted in his first year almost partly by accident and then have to deal with that and, and cobble together a competitive championship squad. Like it's it's a real quandary, isn't it? And this is not me whatsoever saying like, oh, you know, let's just throw the rest of the season and, and just start building for next season. But what's going through your head now if 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 you're worn and what are what are the aims long term, do you think? I think all of what you said there is is right, Chris. If we go back to our first pod of the season where we we're looking at predictions and where we'd expect, um, I'd say the top half, I'd be pleased with a playoff push and a challenge. And I think actually we've we've surpassed expectations and as a result, expectations have increased uh, amongst the supporter base. I don't think anyone, even the the most uh, negative of, of Derby fans would be calling for Warren's head at this time. Um, so yeah, I definitely think he will be having next season. I would hope the full season, regardless of what happens. Um, we almost went out of business and didn't have a football team. So to nine months later to be going, oh my God, we might not get into the playoffs. That's an incredible turnaround and you need to make sure you keep that context and perspective uh, in there when talking about this. That said, it doesn't make it easier, does it? Because we're disappointed with the performances and that's what we want to see. We want to see some good performances and then obviously good results, especially with the backing of the away support. I think it was I think it was something like 3,000 or so there yesterday, which is, which is outstanding again. And we're selling out away games left, right and centre, which is fantastic. And eventually that does breed some disappointment, especially when you're there in person. You always think you're good enough to go and beat a team. Uh, so I think get, giving Warren time, I mean, yes, I'll be disappointed if we don't get into the playoffs. However, personally, it might work out all right because my Saturday team have got a cup final and it's probably going to be that first leg weekend if we do get there. So if we don't, that means I'll be able to play <laughs> the cup final instead um, or certainly don't have a difficult decision to make. But but yeah, I think regardless of what happens, we've got to take this season as, yeah, what an effort from those players to get to the position that we had bit of excitement and genuine hope for promotion and if we get promoted this year because we hold on to the playoffs and then win win then that's gonna be a fantastic journey and we take whatever we can get but realistically football is obviously not linear realistically we've got to just keep building building that team and getting that that squad stronger because it's not strong enough at the moment 
Kutch, I want to end the podcast on an up note because, um, yeah, I've seen a few people say, how would we do in the playoffs? And I think none of us are under any illusions that right now Barnsley would batter us. And it'll be a really interesting barometer to see how we do against Ipswich at Pride Park next week. But I feel generally in such a healthier place as a Derby fan than I have been at this point in previous seasons. Because under Rower, it was like, oh, we don't win the playoffs. Is he going to stay? Under Lampard, it was like, oh, you know, if we don't win at Wembley, is he going to stay? He didn't both times. Like, if we don't stay up, is Rooney going to stay? But regardless of what happens this season, Warren's sticking around, isn't he? I know there's, you know, you mentioned sort of cryptic comments about, about knowing what's wrong, but not being willing to admit it. Whether that's true or not, we don't know. But Klaus got Warren in for the long term. It's a four-year deal. He'd watched him for ages because he's successful in this division. And I've seen people tweet before that um, they do believe in Warren and that he will get us up, just maybe not with this group of players. And I think that's what reassures me the most. Like, look, it might happen this season. Great, it might not. But I think we're in such a healthier position long term than we have been in the last three, four or five years, aren't we? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're completely in a much healthier position. And as, as I, agree, I agree with you in terms of in the healthier state of mind as Derby County fans, you know, obviously we're disappointed with the result yesterday, but it was a fantastic day out. We were, we were literally just talking about football and meeting people. Um, we weren't having to talk about off the field stuff like we have been for the last 18 months. You know, that's an incredibly enjoyable thing, having had that taken away really for, for a while. So I think, look, going back to your original point about, you know, maybe it's a blessing in disguise not to get promoted this year. You take promotion when it comes. Like people often say, Billy Davis's team got promoted too early. No. And look how hard it is to get out of the championship. You take promotion when it comes. It's the same as the League One. So absolutely, we should, we should be gunning for it. But I also take the point that we might still be under transfer restrictions in the summer and building a squad to compete in the championship would be even harder in those circumstances. So... Paul, Paul Warren, I think, is the, you know, the right man for the job. I don't think anyone's really changed their mind about that, whether it's this season or or hopefully next season. I think, you know, we'll see a different Derby County. And, you know, we haven't got any fullbacks. I mean, that is, apart from Hayden Roberts and possibly Craig Forsyth, we haven't got any fullbacks. And just think small changes like that to the squad. I don't think it needs root and branch reform of the whole team like as we've said before this is a team that went on an 18 game unbeaten run and you say Chris that you know we'd, we'd get smashed by Barnsley we'd get smashed by Ipswich in the playoffs yeah but two about a month ago I think that would have been the other way around we'd be looking at and going oh we take Barnsley in the playoffs we take Ipswich in the playoffs because we're the ones in good form a few weeks ago Bolton were the informed team in the division and they, they've fallen off a cliff form is going to change in the next few weeks we might not be in the playoffs we might be in the playoffs it's just, I think, I think Paul Warren's on the on the right track. I just think he needs a summer to put, get the kind of players in and the kind of numbers in that he needs to play his style of football. Well, we'll see what happens. And uh, yeah, that big game against Ipswich, uh, sixth against, I want to say third as it stands. I'll have him check the table for a few hours, but uh, a big one at Pride yep. Park. And then Forest Green Rovers away, which we're all going to for a delightful stay at Shea Kutcher. That'll be good at least, wouldn't it? That'll be a lovely little trip for over the year. Uh, over the Good Friday weekend. I hope so. Yeah, it's got some good craft breweries to visit, some good pubs. There's not a lot, you know, if Derby County fans are listening and they're going to Forest Green Rovers, you know, just remember it is in Nailsworth, not in Stroud. I imagine you'll get the train to Stroud and it's a bit of a bus or a taxi ride then to, to the ground. And there's a few good uh, town centre pubs. We'll be going to some places outside Stroud, between Stroud and Nailsworth breweries and pubs, I hope, for lunch. And yeah, should be, if the weather's nice, should be a delightful Easter weekend. Can you just catch, do a bit of research on whether the Ram Inn in Nailsworth is actually open or not? Because I think, I reckon a lot of Derby fans might be heading there just because of the name. 
Yeah, I, I'm not. I will. I will. I will do the research on that. Basically, it's a really nice pub, um, very close to my parents' house, called the Ram Inn. Um, it was up for sale a few years ago, and it's owned by a Tory councillor who did actually pass away fairly recently. It's been a centre of quite a few local controversies, shall we say? And so it might be closed, but we will double check that and, and let people know because it would be a shame if people head there because there's not much else to go to if you go there and it's closed. On to the next one, uh, Anton. Great to have you back in the fold. Thanks for joining us. Cheers, Chris. And. Always a pleasure to have you as well, Tom. Thanks very much. All the best.